Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved and set me free. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. I am tired. We are tired. We have been living through a pandemic for almost two years now, and it takes a great toll. Last week, CNBC published the story, Last Responders, Mental Health Damage from COVID Could Last a Generation. In this article, experts show there to be a huge mental health impact from a long period of uncertainty and change that's left people feeling very isolated and not sure how to connect. To date, there have been over 400 million cases of COVID worldwide and almost 6 million deaths. Millions of people have been prevented from sharing milestones like births, and weddings, as well as final moments with loved ones, many unable to hold their loved one's hand or to honor them in services. And then there are the many other collective traumas, racial violence and murder, shootings in public places, and natural disasters near and far. And then there are the personal traumas we go through We all carry so much. Under the weight of what we experience and what we witness, many of us are finding that we have little reserve left. It's hard to find extra patience, extra kindness, extra energy. It is hard for us to have merit, let alone to live on merit. And yet we live in a world that needs so much and is asking so much of us. We are expected to earn all that we have and all that we hope for. We are weary people expected to work for everything. And so the concept of grace truly is amazing. Grace is a word that we hear often with many different associations and connotations and definitions. For this sermon, when I talk about grace, I'm looking at grace as unmerited assistance, a blessing that is an act of divine compassion, kindness freely given. Unmerited kind assistance is rare to expect and hard to understand when we live in a world that revolves around merit. Grace is an act of resistance, it is mystical, and it is miraculous. 
And grace is embedded in our faith. As Unitarian Universalists, we come together over eight principles, the first of which is the inherent worth and dignity of every person. Every person is worthy and has dignity simply because they exist. Worth and dignity in our religion and our spirituality, worth and dignity are promised. They're not earned. Believing worth and dignity are inherent is difficult. Giving kindness freely and without merit is difficult. And it is amazing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. What exactly is the sound of grace? Have you given grace? Have you given freely to someone who did not earn it? Or maybe to someone who you felt didn't deserve it? What did it feel like to give grace? Have you received grace? Have you been surprised by kindness that you didn't work for? Have you been unkind to another and then surprised by a response of goodness? What did it feel like to receive grace? I'd like to share a few stories that sound of grace. When I share any stories about my work as a chaplain, I always change the identifying details, but keep the story's essence. Les Miserables is about the French Revolution, focusing on individuals and how they interweave into each other's lives. The story starts with Jean Valjean spending 19 years in prison after stealing a loaf of bread to feed his starving family. Once released to terrible conditions, Jean Valjean breaks parole, seeking refuge at a bishop's home. Here he is met with hospitality, but betrays the bishop by stealing silver. Jean Valjean runs away into the night with his stolen silver and is caught by police. He lies to them, telling them the bishop gave him the silver. They do not believe him and they drag him back to the bishop before planning his punishment. These are the lyrics that tell this part of the story, ending with the bishop's response to the police officers as they detain Jean Valjean. Come in, sir, for you are weary, and the night is cold out there. Though our lives are very humble, what we have, we have to share. There is wine here to revive you, there is bread to make you strong. There's a bed to rest till morning, rest from pain and rest from wrong. He let me eat my fill, I had the lion's share. This silver in my hand cost twice what I had earned in all those 19 years. A lifetime of despair, and yet he trusted me. The old fool trusted me, he'd done his bit of good. I played the grateful surf and thanked him like I should. But when the house was still, I got up in the night, took the silver, took my flight. Valjean runs away, but is caught by the constables and brought back to the bishop. Tell his reverence your story. Let us see if he's impressed. 
You were lodging here last night. You were the honest bishop's guest. And then out of Christian goodness, when he learned about your plight, you maintain he made a present of the silver, the bishop. That's right. But my friend, you left so early. Surely something slipped your mind. You forgot I gave these also. Would you leave the best behind? So, Monsieur, you may release him, for this man has spoken true. I commend you for your duty and God's blessing go with you. But remember this, my brother, see in this some higher plan. You must use this precious silver to become an honest man. When the bishop knew nothing of Jean Valjean, he met him with grace. When the bishop knew Jean Valjean had stolen from, stolen from him, he still met him with grace. I shared this next story a few years ago at our lessons and carol service, but I think it's worth resharing as we think about grace. In A Real Good Samaritan, British writer Bernard Hare tells the story of an act of kindness that changed his life in 1982. This is his story. The police called at my student hovel early evening, but I didn't answer as I thought they'd come to evict me. I hadn't paid my rent in months, but I got to thinking my mom hadn't been too good and what if something was going on with her? I rang home to find my mother was in hospital and not expected to survive the night. Get home, son, my dad said. It was late and I would miss the connecting Leeds train by 20 minutes. I bought a ticket home and got on anyway. I didn't have money for a taxi. I was so desperate to get home that I planned to nick a car, hitchhike, steal some money, something, anything. I just knew from my dad's tone of voice that my mother was going to die that night and I intended to get home if it killed me. Tickets, please, I heard as I stared blankly out the window at the passing darkness. I fumbled for my ticket and gave it to the guard. He stamped it, but then he just stood there looking at me. You okay? He asked. Of course I'm okay. Why wouldn't I be and what's it got to do with you anyway? You look awful, he said. Is there anything I can do? You could get lost and mind your own business, I said. I wasn't in the mood for talking. If there's a problem, I'm here to help. That's what I'm paid for. I was going through all the stages of grief at once. Denial, anger, guilt, withdrawal, everything but acceptance. I was a bubbling cauldron of emotion and he had placed himself in my line of fire. Look, I said, my mom's in hospital, dying. She won't survive the night. I'm gonna miss the connection to Leeds. I'm not sure how I'm gonna get home. I won't get another chance. I'm upset. I'd be grateful if you would leave me alone, okay? Okay, he said. Sorry to hear that, son. I'll leave you alone then. I hope you make it home on time. Then he wandered off down the carriage. 10 minutes later, he was back. This time, I'm really gonna throw him down the train, I thought. 
He touched my arm. Listen, when we get to Peterborough, shoot over to platform one. The Leeds train will be there. Come again, I said. What do you mean? Is it late or something? No, it isn't late, he said defensively. No, I've just radioed to Peterborough. They're going to hold the train up for you. As soon as you get on, it goes. Everyone will be complaining about how late it is, but let's not worry about that right now. You'll get home, and that's the main thing. Good luck, and God bless. Then he was off down the train again. I ran after him. I, um, it's okay, he said. It's not a problem. He had a warm smile and was a good man for its own sake and required nothing in return. I wish I had some way to thank you, I said. Not a problem, he said again. If you feel the need to thank me, the next time you see someone in trouble, you help them out. That will pay me back amply. Tell them to pay you back the same, and soon the world will be better. I was at my mother's side when she died in the early hours of the morning. Even now, I can't think of her without remembering the good conductor on that late night train. The good conductor approached Bernard with grace before he knew anything about him. When Bernard met the conductor with impatience and upset, the good conductor only deepened the grace that he gave. The final story I have for you comes from the peak of the pandemic when Larry came to the hospital. Larry came in screaming that COVID was a lie. When he was diagnosed with COVID, Larry spat at his nurses, hit his texts, and yelled at his doctors. This went on for days. Larry continued to decline and needed to decide whether or not he would allow the team to intubate him. Without having this breathing tube, his team knew that he would not survive the virus, and with the tube, he might have a chance. I could hear Larry yelling alone in the room, as the team waited for him to make a decision. I went in to see if I could do anything for him. I was afraid of getting yelled at, but knew I needed to try. I introduced myself and acknowledged Larry's pain and asked if I could do anything to help him with his decision. Larry started to yell, this place is horrible. Everyone here is horrible, everyone is brainwashed. As I listened to Larry yell, I noticed that his hands were shaking. And I looked at his hands and his wide eyes and I saw the fear more than I saw my own frustrations with Larry's view of COVID. I took a risk and asked Larry if he wanted me to hold his hand expecting to get yelled at. I told him it might help him feel calmer. Larry silently reached out his hand I took it and he shocked me by starting to cry. I guess I deserve this, huh? He said, I deserve to die. I asked Larry if he believed that I thought that, that we thought that. And he said, he does. That's why I'm scared to get intubated. He said, I know I haven't been a good guy. I think they'll kill me. Who would be good to me? No one is good to me. And if I'm asleep with a tube, I won't be able to defend myself. They'll kill me. I'm so 
scared. I could not believe this was the same man that had been screaming at staff for days. I asked if Larry had anyone who could visit him. He did not. I asked him if I could visit him. I told him that me or a member of our team could stop by and see him every day when he's asleep to check on him, to hold his hand, and to talk to him. Larry thought about it for a while while he cried. And then he said that that would feel safer and that we could visit. Larry decided to get intubated. I held one hand during the intubation and Larry's nurse held the other. Larry's doctor promised Larry we would do our absolute best for him. And this doctor came by every week to repeat that message. Many chaplains visited Larry every day for months. Larry got out of the hospital. Larry's care team gave him grace again and again and again. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. This is the impact of grace. After the bishop gave Jean Valjean the best silver, he used it to turn his life around, running a business, becoming a mayor, and taking in the poor orphan of one of his workers. At the end of his life, these are some of Jean Valjean's last words. On this page, I write my last confession. Read it well when I at last am sleeping. It's the story of one who turned from hating. The bishop's gift of grace turned a man's life around and freed him from the grip of hatred. Bernard Hare, in reflecting on his story and on how many times it's been published, says, my meeting with the good conductor changed me from a selfish, potentially violent person to a decent human being, but it took time. I've paid him back a thousand times since, and each time I do, I encourage others to pass it down the line. The good conductor's gift of grace inspired Bernard to lead a life of helping at-risk youth and inspiring them to do good for others when they could. When I think about my patient, Larry, I know that our exchanges changed the course of Larry's care. He could not have beaten the virus without having gotten intubated, and he would not have gotten intubated without kindness. I know that my experience with Larry softened my heart to make me better able to see the hurt inside of a person even when their views upset or scare me. In giving grace, our chains fall away. We are set free, and we might even be able to set others free. I invite you to take a few slower breaths and to let yourself be as at ease as you can be. My dear friends, May you know your inherent worth. 
May you know dignity. May you be given rest from merit. May you give kindness freely. And may kindness be given freely to you, especially when you are worn, especially when you shiver, especially when you hide or when you fear. May you know amazing grace. And whether you give grace or receive grace, may grace set you free. Amen. And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart and namaste. I bow to the divine in you. Our benediction today comes from President John F. Kennedy. I think the American people expect more from us than cries of indignation and attack. The times are too grave, the challenge too urgent, and the stakes too high to permit the customary passions of political debate. We are not here to curse the darkness, but to light the candle that can guide us through that darkness to a safe and sane future. Let us keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. Amen. visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace.